Hello and welcome once again to the Patriot Preacher Podcast. My name is Dan Fraley, and today I'm with Brother Bill Haywood. I want to let Bill Haywood introduce himself in just a moment. I'm with the Mouth of Joe's Creek Church of Christ. I'm the preacher there, and uh, this is my podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. And as I said, I'm at the Tri-City School of Preaching. I'm with Brother Bill Haywood. Bill, tell him a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Bill. I preach for the Lord's Church in Abingdon, Virginia. I am a, an instructor here at the Tri-City School of Preaching, and uh, I'll be the incoming director beginning July 1st of next year. I'm married and have uh, five sons and eight grandchildren, and uh, just an honor to get to be with you day, today, Dan. Oh, it's an honor to have you. Uh, I come here, as I said in previous podcasts, I come here because these men know the Word of God. They study it every day. They have to be sound because they are the ones teaching the teachers that go out into the community and into the world and become preachers, uh, gospel preachers as well. And so today, Bill, uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit about disdain for the Word of God, Jeremiah chapter 6. What, what have you got for us today? Well, you know, there was a real problem in Judah. In the days of Jeremiah, he began prophesying about 12 years into the uh, reign of Josiah. And Jeremiah is facing a real problem that they have. Now, this is rather amazing to me. Josiah had led some tremendous, tremendous reforms. But these people still had an idolatrous disposition, an idolatrous heart. And at the root of all of that, as we'll see in just a moment, is a disdain for God's Word. And, and, and at, the, at the real core of it was a bad heart. We'll see that, Dan. You know, Johns Hopkins tells us that there is a rare type of cancer called cardiac sarcoma. It is a cancer of the heart. It's not just a heart disease, but there is an enemy that is attacking the heart and destroying the heart. And if it's not cured, obviously it is a terminal illness. Jeremiah is called to a people who have a terminal illness. Now, God has a solution. It's not pretty. God's solution in chapter 6, verse 9, he's going to send the Chaldeans down, and they're going to glean the grapevine. Now, when you think about gleaning the grapevine, they're coming through, and they're going to absolutely take everything out. It's not pleasant. And then here's the question, verse 10, To whom shall I speak and give warning? That they may hear. Here's the problem. Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot give heed. What does that mean, uncircumcised? The idea is their hearts are so callous, their ears are not in a covenant relationship to hear God, to be interested in what God has to say. They're not set apart for God. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Isn't that an amazing thing? Now, as we'll see as we go throughout the book of Jeremiah, there are prophets who have solutions, but they're, they're, they're jokes. They're not real solutions. You know, there are people uh, in this day and time, matter of fact, there's a particular clinic down in Tijuana, Mexico. They used to be in Dallas, Texas from 1930 to 1960. The Hoxie Clinic was in Dallas, Texas, and they claimed to have a cure for cancer. You know what they did? 
They'd rub a little salve on a sore. They'd give you something to drink, and then you'd go home and die of cancer. Of course, you'd be several thousand dollars poor in the process of paying them. Well, there's a lot of charlatans out there in the religious world that promise you a cure, and they only heal slightly. As a matter of fact, back in chapter 6, verse number 14, he says, They also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Yeah, that's what I was, the whole time you were talking, I was looking at verse 14, and I was making a comparison to the world today. Where are we at today? Well, we're in a place in the world that is very similar to the time that Jeremiah was living. You can read the text. I'm going to go back and read Jeremiah 6 and verse 10 again. It says, To whom shall I speak, he says, and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and behold, they cannot hearken. That word hearken, it does mean that they cannot hear, but it, it more or less means that they cannot abide or, or do what God has commanded them to do. They cannot hearken to the word because their ear is uncircumcised. It says, Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have a true disdain for the word of God. Is that not right? Oh, Absolutely. And, and I, I understand it to some extent. When you go over to chapter 28, you have a prophet by the name of Hananiah, and he's a false prophet. Jeremiah is told to put on a yoke and go about and tell the people that, they'll, that they're going to be in captivity. And the people don't like that message. And so Hananiah breaks the yoke, and he says, nope, nope, two years, two years, and this will all be over. And Jeremiah says, in essence, amen, amen. I love that message. Only one problem. It's a lie. And then in verse 15 of Jeremiah 28, we read, Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust a lie. And there's a lot of folks like that today. You know, the reality is, if we get down to the core of the problem, the, the, the essence of the real disease that we're talking about is a heart disease that's tied back to a hate for God's Word. Let's look at a couple of verses. Chapter 4, verse number 18. Chapter 4, Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 18. This is what it says. It says, Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. All the way to the heart. You see... We have this idea sometimes. When we're talking about the heart, obviously we're not talking about that blood pump within us, but we're talking about the core of our being, who we really are beneath the surface. Because the reality is this flesh and blood, that's our outward person, but the real person is that inner person. And this disease reaches all the way to the core. Look at chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Have you got that, Dan? Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. This is what it says. It says, And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with, the, and with stocks. And yet for all this her teacher, her treacherous sister Judah, hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but, fa uh, but feignedly saith the Lord. All right, now this is really key here. It says... Her, she took her whoredom lightly. The New King James says her casual harlotry. You know, it's no big deal, man. 
you know, yeah, I flirt with the secretary. I flirt with women who are not my wife I've, or, or some woman. I flirt with a man who's who's not my husband or I'm com- I'm having an affair on the side. I'm fornicating. I'm doing this. I watch pornography. That's no big deal. And all you have to do is get on Facebook and you realize that in our day and time, we've taken harlotry casually. We even have an expression in our society, casual sex. Friends, there is no such thing. And it's an abomination. They take it lightly. Over in Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 5, the people have been invited to the wedding feast and the master sends out his servants to get people to come. And they like, no, no, they're not interested. Verse 5, but they made light of it and went their ways. That's, that's the problem of people in the United States of America today. We've got a message for you from God. Ah, oh, it's no big deal. We're not interested in And they're committing all this fornication. They're, they're gathered at their high places, at their places of idolatrous worship, which often involved fornication and things of that nature. And it's like, it's no big deal, man. It's not a problem. One more thing here. I want to look at it in verse 10 because this really helped me understand a lot when I saw this verse because Jeremiah starts prophesying about 12 years into the reign of Josiah. Josiah made some marvelous reforms and restored temple worship and tore down the high places, and then he's gone, and boom, uh, uh, as soon as he's gone, it just like seems like everything's reversed. How did that happen? Verse number 10 explains it. They've not turned, they has, Judah has not returned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. They were forced to do certain things, but their heart was not in it. Their inner being was not in it. Now, if we go back, Dan, the real problem was they had a disdain for God's word. So, yeah, I was going to say, as you were talking, there are a lot of verses come to my mind textually but also not only textually, but the attitude. Mm-hmm. If you read that again, Jeremiah chapter, what was it, chapter 3, mm-hmm. and you look at <clears throat> verse 10 again, it says, And yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto her with her whole heart. Today it's not just only that they deal casually. You know, we talk about how people deal casually, but if you look at the certain communities, right, the LGBT uh, did I hit those right? Yeah, you're close enough. LGBTQ yeah. <laughs> uh, community. It's, it's not that it's just casual, but it's celebrated. Mm. You know, when when I talk about, when I think about what you said in Isaiah chapter 5, when they substitute light for darkness, darkness for light, more so now than ever before, this is what's going on. Uh, it's not just a matter of casually turning back, but most people in the world today celebrate it. Well, here's the thing, Dan, and you're exactly right. You're right on the money, but we need to bring this a little bit closer to home because it's very likely that there are people who uh, love the Bible uh, or they go to services on a regular basis and they're listening and say, yeah, those homosexuals, they're bad and everything like that. But now get this, get this. All you have to do, and I don't like to do it, just get on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. But you probably shouldn't get on your Facebook, especially around prom time. Get on Facebook, and you see the mothers and fathers who are proud to put up pictures of their daughters exposing their breasts. And have, matter of fact, I had a, a lady who works for a school district recently, and she's required to chaperone uh, some of these proms, and she doesn't care for it. And she made this comment to me. She said, most prom gowns today would have passed for 
uh, negligees just a few years ago. Now, I'm not saying it's always that way, but, oh, well, yeah, but it's a prom. You know, look at the pictures of our kids going to the beach. And, you know, we think, well, once upon a time, it was like we're more modest because our girls have a one-piece bathing suit while the world has a bikini. Now we wear bikinis, and now we've even gone farther than that. We, and we put them on the Facebook. Well, now what's my point about putting them on Facebook, putting them on Instagram, putting them on TikTok? They do not know how to blush. They don't care. They celebrate it. It's great. Why is that the case? Do we need to shame them? What we need to do is we need to get them back into the Word of God because they don't love God because they don't love His Word. Yeah, I was thinking, just as you said that, you said a couple of words earlier about what it is. And I want to read Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith unto the Lord, return unto me, if thou wilt put away thine abominations. That word abominations, it's, you know, when we think about abominations, we think about strictly, you know, just by the book of Leviticus and other places, we think strictly about homosexuality, but it's it's more than that. It's, it's just the general lifestyle. I mean, if we consider how holy God is, it is it is the general lifestyle of exactly what you're talking about, the pictures, the immodesty, and all these ideas are an abomination to God. This is what caused Israel to fall first and then Judah. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and it will cause us to fall. I can't tell you what the picture looks like. It may You're going to fall in your family. You're going to fall in your life. And it may be that this nation's going to fall. But at the end of the day, when we have a disdain for what is right, what's revealed within the pages of God's holy word, it, we're, it's going to cost us. As a matter of fact, if we could take a detour for just a minute, and go over to the book of Ezekiel. If you ask most folks, and I wish I could hear the response, what was the sin of Sodom? What was the sin of Sodom? Well, typically, we're going to, if you're familiar with that story, go back to Genesis chapter 18, we're going to say, well, that's homosexuality. Now listen, folks, I'm, I stand against all types of immorality. I do. I have to. And I need to practice that in my life, and I need to try to live pure and everything. But I want you to listen in Ezekiel 16, probably, if it's not my number one favorite chapter, not favorite verse, but favorite chapter, it's one or two. I mean, it's right in there. I love it. It's a, it is a story about a divine romance between God and his people, and God has uh, just poured out his love and lavished it upon his people, and they have spurned his love. And listen to what he says in verse number 49. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. He's telling, he's telling Judah, this is, you're just like your sister Sodom. Oh, man, those are bad people. She and her daughter, okay, and we're going to hear the sins of Sodom. Okay, what, are, what is it? Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. Number one, top of the list, pride. Does that characterize us in the United States of America today? I think so. I mean, we've got, we're the smartest people that ever lived. We're, we're always constantly being told that. Poor millennials breaks my heart. Everybody beats up on the millennials because how uh, rebellious and everything they are. Well, they did not raise themselves. They were raised by prideful parents who, 
they may have paid lip service to the Bible, but they don't believe in the Bible. And they go home and they live ungodly lives, and then they wonder why their children are living ungodly lives, why children are confused. And listen, I don't blame these kids for rebelling. They need to rebel, but they don't need to go in a direction away from God's Word. They need to rebel and go back to God's Word. Pride, fullness of food. Ouch, ouch. Notice what else he says, and an abundance of idleness. Too much time on their hands. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They didn't care about other people. Now we get down here. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. That's the, that's the uh, fornication. That is the homosexuality. But notice where that is down the list. Now, if you're the type of person that thinks, boy, I tell you, that homosexuality, that's horrible, that's sick, that makes me disgusted. God, before he mentions homosexuality, he mentions the fact that they were prideful and they were covetous. Why were they that way? They did not appreciate God's love. They had cancer of the heart. And the reason why they had cancer of the heart is because they didn't love God's rules. They didn't love God's ways. They didn't love his will. They weren't into what he was trying to tell them to do. Yeah, I was just thinking later on in Nehemiah, when they don't have the word of God, they get to a point, you know, you go back and you read the book of Judges. It took two generations from Joshua to the generation that was just completely that they did not know God. And the Bible says they did what was right in their own eyes. This this here is a pro, when you read Ezekiel and you read Jeremiah and Ezekiel, this is God trying to get them back to where they do know God because the generations previously have rejected God. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we're looking at. We are looking at the results of not just one generation turning their back on God, but a, a I guess, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A succession of generations that have turned their back on God. And so I like what you said here in verse, uh, verse 42 where it says, So will I make my fury toward thee to rest, and my jealousy shall depart from thee. And, and what was the reason for that? Well, if they would, if they would turn back to God, he would, he would, if they turned back to God, they would, he would restore, he would restore them. He would set aside his anger. He would not destroy them as he had told them they would do. Is that is that correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, and and this is the 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 wonderful thing. God wants to have a relationship with mankind. But if we understand something about the character of God, God is a perfect, holy God, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. And this just blows my mind every time I think about this. Every one of God's attributes are, are perfectly uh, in harmony with one another. They're, everyone's is infinite. He's infinite in all of his characteristics. So he's infinite in love, but simultaneously he's infinite in justice. And so God demands you're going to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing. Well, I'm not up to it. And he says his love intercedes and says, all right, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I I can't pay the price for my sins. So Jesus paid the price for our sins. But that does not mean, for heaven's sakes, it does not mean when we think about the grace of God, people have such a horrible idea about the grace of God. Oh, God just loves you so much. Of course he loves us. But it doesn't mean that he ignores our sin. I love the prophet Hosea, and he married an adulterous woman. And he goes to Gomer at the instruction of God, and he buys her back from the slave block, and he brings her home. And he tells her, you're going to love me 
and you're going to be my wife. And I wish we could talk more about Hosea, but here's the one point I want us to get. Now, she had been an adulterous woman and had at least one child that was not his child. And Hosea says to her, you're going to come home and be my wife. He doesn't say, now, I love you so much, Gomer, that if you want to go out and fornicate and you need to sleep with all the men around town, I just love you so much that I'm going to put up with it. No, he doesn't do that. No husband would do that. No husband that has any sense would do that. And God doesn't do that. He loves us, but he doesn't say, oh, you just go sleep around with any idolatrous God that you want to. You, you sleep with the God of materialism. You sleep with the God of pride. No, no. We have to submit to him. Am I going to struggle with those things? Absolutely. But if my heart, if my heart is directed toward loving him and honoring him, I will always strive to serve him. Yeah, I was just going to close with these verses. There's so much we could get into with this, how God hates sin. The Bible says that God hates sin. Now, we mentioned earlier the LGBTQ. I'm going to struggle with that. You're good. <laughs> uh, but we mentioned that. It's not that we hate them. We do not. No, we we love, love them. them. Mm-hmm. And so we love them. We want them to come out of the sin that they are in. Uh, when you think about what, and, and I want to close with these verses here, Titus chapter 2. When I read Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, and I compare it with God's power and God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness to mankind in sending his Son, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. This is what we're trying to tell people, that, that God is graceful, he's merciful, he's loving. Even though he is just and he wants us to do it his way, he is still these things. It says, Teaching us, because loving God involves teaching and knowing what he wants us to do. We can't love God. If God did not reveal what he wants us to do in his word, then we there would be no way we can know. But he has. And so it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness, which is what this episode has been about, and worldly lust, that how should we live then? Well, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Remember, the word of God is quick and powerful and t- sharper than any two-edged sword, according to Hebrews chapter 4. It is alive, it is active today, and it applies just as much today as it did during the time of Jeremiah, and we need to understand that. You're listening to the Patriot Preacher Podcast. I'm Dan Fraley. I'm a preacher at the mouth of Joe's Creek Church of Christ. You can find us at 5230 State Highway 194 West, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41501. If you have any questions about the content that you're listening to, you can call me at 423-707-4178. You can reach me on Facebook or you can text me at that number. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. God bless you.